Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verses number 6 through 8. I'm going to continue on our study that we've been working on for several weeks and this will just be the conclusion of last week's study as a matter of fact. The Bible says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, if you remember last week I talked about this word, unto you therefore which believe, that word also means obey, so it's not just coming to terms with some thought. But unto you which believe, he is precious. But unto him, unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the stain is made the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the word that we've heard already. Thank you for the spirit that we have experienced up to now in this service. But I'm asking you, Lord, now to help us catch our spiritual breath. And I pray that a second wind would come to us now as we consider your word. And let this word today challenge our heart and our minds and strengthen us. Let it establish our steps, Lord, as we move from this particular place in our lives forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and you can be seated in Jesus' name. Last week we were discussing how Jesus did not compromise the truth in order to keep people around him from being offended. We saw how that he offended the Pharisees and how that he offended people in his own hometown. As a matter of fact, they thought to take him out to the edge of town and throw him over a cliff. Amen. So today I want us to look at some other ways that Jesus Christ stayed true to the truth. And that is above all things, what we must endeavor to do is stay true to the truth. Yes. Amen. I, am, I hope that I wouldn't have to just reiterate this again and again. I am certainly not advocating that we just be obnoxious and in our relationships with other people by no stretch of the imagination. But I do say to us that we need the church, yes. needs to have the backbone and the wherewithal to stay true yes. to truth. Yes. Because we are living in an hour where not a few around us are, are suggesting strongly that we just blur the lines and everything will be all right. Amen, there is a truth, there is a, there is a truth that is declared in the gospel and that truth not only must we pursue with our whole heart 
and everything that we have in us, but that truth we also must be able to protect and defend. We must be able to declare that. And I have often said and will say again today that you can do more declaring with your life than you can with your lips because people are not interested in what you say with this if what you do with this doesn't match. Amen. I want to live with my life what I declare on Sunday. I want to I live with my life what, what we talk about every time we come together. Today, I want us to look at just a few other things that transpired in the literal life of Jesus Christ. You know, when, when you think about those that he offended, we talked about the Pharisees, we talked about his own hometown people uh, that, were offend, that were offended, but if you can continue to study the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, you also see that, that he offended his own family. Now, I'm not, when I talk about offended them, he was not offending them because he was obnoxious and because he was unruly, but he was offending them because of his mission, amen. And so he offended his own, those of his own house because they, in some ways, were not pleased with all the pressure that was being applied to them because of what he represented, because we're not in this alone. And so they found it hard to believe that he was acting the way he was acting. And so let's look at Mark chapter three and verse 21. The Bible says, and when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. These are his friends that were well-meaning in their attentions. They thought, you know, we might need to call him in and talk to him a little bit. When they saw what he was doing, we'd need to pull him aside because we think that perhaps he's gotten beside himself. Let me ask you something. Has anybody in your family or anybody in your, in your circle of friends, have anybody ever thought that you were a little bit radical? Maybe you're a little bit beside yourself because of your relationship with God? People think it's somewhat strange that you would be faithful to the house of God and people think it's somewhat strange that you would not go here and go there and just be a participant in all manner of sin. They think, man, there's something wrong with you. You've been a, getting a little fanatical about this God thing. Continue reading. We're gonna drop down to the 31st verse. The Bible says, then there came then his brethren and his mother and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude said about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And they looked around on them which said about him. Can you imagine this bewilderment? So your mother and your brothers would like to talk to you. And he says, Who are my brothers, and who is my mother? He, he only confirmed in their minds that he is losing it. He only, he only confirmed there were suspicions. He is kind of going over the edge. And they looked around on them which sat about him and, and, and they said, behold, here is your mother. In other words, behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. His own family thought he was just kind of slipping or losing it, but the scripture says that Jesus' family, kind of, they just kind of went out to take custody of him, kind of wrapped this all up. 
Mark identifies those relatives from Jesus' own mother and brothers who later found him preaching in someone else's house. Even John, chapter seven and verse five, even John himself said, for neither did his brethren believe in him. His own were denying the call of God or the passion of God, maybe I should say, upon his, upon his life because they didn't realize that, that what he, he was on a mission. He was not just there. He was not just an ordinary brother or just another son, but he was there on a, on a mission and he was not asking for the acceptance of his household. He was not needing their stamp of approval nor their affirmation to do the will of his father. He was not going to be controlled by their desires or their pleasures, but he was going to fulfill the plan of the kingdom whether they approved of it or not. Jesus' mother and, and brothers may have thought for a moment that he has lost his mind, but because of his, this, because of his obedience, amen, they wound up in the upper room on the day of Pentecost because he would not be detoured by their idea, because he would not be pulled away from the great mission. Thank God they found themselves in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. James, his half-brother, became one of the leading apostles in the church of Jerusalem. And I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't give in to his friends. I'm thankful that he didn't give in to his peers. Thankful that he didn't give in to his own family members just because they didn't understand his purpose. They thought he was a lunatic. They thought he lost his mind. He got too caught up in this Jesus stuff. And believe it or not, there's some people in your realm of influence that think you're a little bit too caught up in this Jesus stuff as well. But we can't be persuaded. I can't be persuaded by their desires, by their whims, by their wishes, but I've got to remember there is a divine call upon us. So we have to keep that as the prism that we look through every day because if we compromise what God tells us to do in order to please those around us, as I mentioned last, last weekend, we will inevitably lose the anointing that God has placed upon our lives and then ultimately we may hinder them from being set free. So I say, Lord, even when people don't understand, even when people kind of look at you a little crooked, I pray, Lord, that we can stay committed to the commission that you have us on. Amen. Jesus offended those of his own, what we would call today, staff. He offended those of his, of his inner circle. In our previous, one of our previous studies in lesson number eight, we discussed in detail the viewpoint of the disciples when Jesus offended them. And so let's look at this one more time, not just so we can beat it to death, but I want us to look at it so that we can see this from the perspective of Jesus. John chapter six and verse 60, the Bible says, and of course, if you've read, if you studied this up to now, you would know that, that uh, some of the signs and miracles and wonders, so to speak, had kind of waned off a little bit the feeding of the multitudes and the, all the wonderful things that had kind of now got placed in the background because he was kind of tightening down on things and preaching truth. Talking about what we must do to be saved. I mean, there's a lot of people that like the songs and, the, and there's a lot of people that like the worship and there's a lot of people that love to praise, but there's some people that are more interested in worshiping God than serving God. They're more interested in praising God than serving God. Amen. So when this came about, 
John 6 and, 60, 6 and 60, the Bible says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? This is a hard message. Who can live it? And Jesus knew that in himself that the disciples were complaining about this. I am so thankful for his stand at this critical moment. You gotta realize that the crowd that had been following him was no longer there. All those that had been singing his praises has long left. And now it's just back down to how they started. And when they get down to how they started, those that he started with said, this is a hard saying and who can hear it? When Jesus understood where they were going in their mind, without hesitation, in verse 67, the Bible says, then Jesus said unto the 12, will ye also go away? Amen. In other words, if, are, are you going to leave now as everybody else has left? Are you gonna follow suit? And if you're going to leave, then leave. Amen. But I am on a mission. And if I have to start all over again from the beginning, if I have to start from zero, that's where I'm going to start. There had to be an awkward silence in the crowd. There had to be an awkward silence in the crowd. There had to be a moment of, of everybody trying to digest what he just said. I'm not sure how long the silence was. I'm not even sure how, how demonstrative Simon Peter was in his response. But I am very thankful that Simon had the good wit about him to say, Lord, to whom else would we go? For thou hast the words to eternal life. What I want to do tonight, today right here is pause and tell you this. I know that many times we just quote that from that right there. We just begin right there. Lord, to whom else would we go for thou hast the words of eternal life. But I want you to understand in your minds from this day forward, never disconnect that response from verse 60 when he said, will you go also? Amen, don't ever discount what is going on that brings us up to this moment. It may not have been such a revivalistic answer. It may not have been such a, such a power-packed response. It may have been somewhat sheepish when, Paul, when, when Peter, I'm just giving you something to think about. It may have been somewhat heartfelt and hard to come by when they realized that this is hard. I don't even know who can hear it. This is hard. I'm not even sure who can live it. But somehow Peter mustered the courage to say, Lord, to whom else would we go? It may have been a word of despair, but nevertheless, there was truth and foundation in it. What I'm trying to say is there may be days that you're not jumping up and down. There may be days that you think, I'm not sure I can make another step. There may be days that you think, I'm not sure I could go back to the house of God one more time. I don't know if I can put one foot in front of the other. But before you give up and before you give in and before you throw in the towel, let there be something that rises in you from Simon Peter that says, Lord, to who else would we go? For thou hast the words to eternal life. Hallelujah. I have no place else to go. I have no place else to go. Amen. Things were tough. The religious leaders were plotting his death. His hometown rejected him. His family thought he was out of his mind. 
to add more pressure, many of his own left. But Jesus did not compromise. He just told those who were left, if they were of a mind to, you're free to go as well. The only thing that mattered to Jesus was the fulfillment of the mission. And I am totally convinced that had he been left standing alone that day, he would have not changed his mind. He was determined to fulfill the commission. Jesus even offended some of his closest friends, not because he was belligerent, but because they didn't understand. The Bible says that a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was, <clears throat> it was Mary that anointed the feet of the Lord and wiped it with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. John 11 and one through three, I know you know it, but let's look at it again. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. This is not a stranger that had to be described to the Lord. This is not like the man who talked about his servant that was sick or this is not a father who talked about his son who needed deliverance. This was a personal, first name basis friend. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and he certainly loved Lazarus. They were close. They spent personal time together. However, I want you to notice the response when, when he got news that Lazarus was sick. That's not, not what we think would happen, but this is nevertheless what happened. And verse number six, the Bible says, when he heard, therefore, that he, talking about Lazarus, was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, that's a very serious matter. But he stayed where he was for two additional days. <clears throat> When he finally comes to Bethany, Lazarus is already dead. Now what, La what Jesus finds when he gets there is one dead man and two offended women. Amen, I know we talk about the stench of Lazarus, but I think there might have been some stench from Mary and Martha. Lazarus had been in the grave. They just been seething. They just been waiting. At first, they waited with great anxiety. But by now, they're whispering among themselves, well, just let him walk in the door. Got a little something I want to talk to Jesus about. And that wasn't the same thing as just a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> and then said Martha unto Jesus, verse 21, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Here is a platform for offense. You could have avoided all this. We gave you plenty of warning. What you been doing for the last two days? I mean, that was so important. <laughs> Why didn't you come immediately? If you would have been here immediately, you could have saved him. Most, most likely, both sisters were offended. Would you... Would you go along with me on that? There's at least room for them to be offended. They sent a messenger to tell him 
about Lazarus impending death and yet two days he just keeps on doing whatever it is that he's doing Amen, and, and here's something to think about there. Just because they didn't understand what Jesus was doing didn't mean it was not important. He didn't respond as they expected. He didn't drop everything and come right to their aid. Instead, he just followed the leading of the Spirit. And here is a great, great, great area that we can all get offended if God doesn't move how we think he ought to move or if God doesn't move when we think he ought to move. Amen. We say he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. But I'm gonna tell you, when you're the one staring at the watch with one eye and your circumstances with the other, amen, the watch with one eye and the circumstances with the other, if I can take it one step further, when you're the one now no longer looking at the watch with one eye and circumstances, but now you're looking at the calendar and your circumstances and the calendar and your circumstances. We can let the spirit of offense, as good as I have been, as faithful as I have been, as loyal as I have been, and yet I have prayed and asked God for just this one single thing, and it just seems like all the Lord would have to do is just say yes or say no, or all God would have to do is open this door or close this door, and it's in that moment when you've got it all figured out, all God would have to do, that we have to relinquish that and say, God, I know that you're looking at this in a much larger, from a much larger perspective. And so I put my trust and my confidence in you. Amen. He didn't drop everything. Instead, he followed the leading of the spirit, which was best for everyone. However, at the time, it looked like Jesus did not care. We know the rest of the story. That he stepped to the foot of that tomb and he did indeed raise Lazarus from the dead and all's well that ends well. Amen. The book tells us that not only did he offend those closest to him, I wanna talk about one more of those that he offended close to him, and that is John the Baptist. Even John the Baptist had to deal with the temptation of being offended by Jesus. Now, I want you to just let this marinate a moment because John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. It was John that came out of the wilderness like a madman that said, there's one coming after me that is mightier than I. John the Baptist risked everything in his life. He had no reputation. It had long been spent, been spent in Jesus' name. He had no one that had really garnered a whole, given him a whole lot of respect because of, of the locust and the wild honey business and, the, and because he come out without, you know, without all the Dale Carnegie polish on him and said, turn or burn. Repent, the day of the Lord is at hand. And he grabbed people by the nap of the neck, so to, the, so to speak. And here was the forerunner. And the forerunner of Jesus had to deal with offense. So I think it's pretty sure that I'm gonna have to deal with offense. <laughs> the book of Luke 7 and 18, watch this. And the disciples of John showed him, this is John, all these things. And John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, this is the forerunner of Jesus. Are you with me now? This is the man who risked life and limb. 
This is the man who put his own ministry and mission on hold and said, I can only baptize you into repentance, but there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. And now he is in prison and he sends his two, two of his disciples to Jesus saying, Art thou he that should come or look we for another? When the men were coming to the, unto him, when they were coming to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Are thou he that should come, or should we look for another? Did you catch the power of that question? Why, why does John ask Jesus if he's the Messiah? Right. Let, me, let me take you back one step further. It was not just Jesus, John that was the forerunner of Jesus, saying repent, but it was also John in John 1 and 29. The Bible says the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, saith he's coming down to be baptized, and it was John that has this revelation. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I mean, where all these powerful revelations of who Jesus is and now and now all of a sudden there's this long list of things that's going on in the mind of John. I'm telling you, if John could be offended, then let me promise you we can be on that wagon as well. He was the one that said he's gonna baptize you. So now why is John asking, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? I know we could sit here in this air-conditioned sanctuary. We could just kick back in our, on our padded pews today and wonder, John, what in the world is going on in your mind, sir? But I want to take you back from where this question comes from. I'm not just talking about his heart or his mind, but I'm telling you the circumstances of our lives can whittle us down to nothing. Amen, let me say that one more time. The circumstances of life can whittle you down to nothing. Amen, so think about where John was when this question was born. He had been a man that was at one time on the cutting edge of what the Lord was doing. Untold masses of people had received ministry from John the Baptist. He had been one of the most talked about uh, outreach ministries in all of the nation. He had lived a life of self-denial. He had not even married in order to maximize the potential of his call. He had lived in a desert, the Bible says, eating locusts and wild honey. He fought the Pharisees and had even been accused of being demon-possessed. His whole life had been spent preparing the way for this Messiah and now his reward is that he is in prison for the message. Are you hearing me today? He's been locked up for quite some time. The few people that, have, that, that were visiting him in the beginning, maybe now that list had dwindled down. Maybe no more letters were coming in there to the prison walls like they had been at first. That that he had been so connected to. That that he had been such a part of. It seems like now he had been cut off and now even his own disciples had joined the ministry of the Jesus team. Only a few remained with him 
And then you can see now, amen, as they bring him reports of all these wonderful things that are still going on and now he is in prison and he is disconnected from all of that. And you hear about all the things that are happening in the church, so to speak. You hear about this and you hear about that and where am I? I'm serving one more day. I'm serving one more day. I've got one less letter this week than I got last week. I've got one less visit this week than I got last week. And you can understand that in his mind, he could start saying, this is the man that I spent my entire life preparing the way for. And now they won't even come visit me in jail. If he is the Messiah, then why don't he get me out of this prison? How could these things be? Are you with me this morning? Amen, can't you see how John could be so disillusioned by this whole process? Amen, and so now he says, I just gotta know. I just gotta know for my own satisfaction. And so he sends two of his faithful disciples and he said, I want you to go and ask Jesus, are you him or do we look for another? And I want you to follow the response of Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 7, 21. And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits and to many that were blind gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them who had asked this question, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the dead are raised, and the and to the poor the gospel is preached. Verse number twenty three. Watch this. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended. I'm just going to tell you something. That when the disciples started quoting this scripture. John is kind of sitting back. All right, well, let, let's, hear, let's hear the report. He said, you, you, you go tell John that the blind see. John's sitting up. And that the lame walk. Oh, I've heard this before. And the lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. John sliding to the edge of his seat. The dead are raised alive. And to the poor, the gospel is preached. And John is waiting for this next line because he knows the word. <laughs> and while he's sitting there waiting for him to finish quoting, he adds something different that's never been there before. And blessed is he who shall not be offended in me. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. I just knew where the Lord was going with this so that I can clear this up in your mind. Go to Isaiah 61 and 1 because John knew this quote. John knew the Old Testament. So when he starts quoting from this in this train of thought, he just knows what's coming next. I've been wondering when my great getting up morning is gonna come, fairly well, fairly well, and here it is. And the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to, to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. <laughs> so when Jesus sends word back and he starts quoting out of Isaiah, John automatically thinks he's gonna end with and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. 
I mean, he's kind of reaching around, getting his socks, reaching around, getting his duffel bag. Here it comes. I didn't know how my deliverance was going to come, but here it is. And then he said, and by the way, blessed is he whosoever is not offended in me. This is not how it's going to end this time, John, but I'm begging you, son, stay with me. I'm begging you, stay with me. I'm preaching to somebody today that just because it's not ending like you think it ought to end, that don't mean that's not the word of God. It doesn't mean it's not the word of Jesus. It doesn't mean that he has lost our address. It doesn't mean that he does not know what he's gonna do. He said, blessed are they who are not offended in me. Somehow, somehow, John, you've got to adapt and adjust because it's not going to end the way you think it's going to end. He was saying, John, I know you don't understand what's happening to you right now, but I don't want you to be offended just because I'm not operating like you think I ought to be operating. He was urging John, don't judge by your own understanding of what God has done in the past. Amen. In your own life and ministry. John, you don't see the whole picture. So don't be offended. Amen. I'm trying to give birth to something here. And just because we don't know the complete picture of our circumstances does not mean that we are not in the perfect will of God how could this be the will of God what what good could be coming of this my answer is don't get bitter and find out don't get angry and let God reveal it in closing I want to I want to close with the subject of of Jesus in his ministry that I don't really know how to, I've reworded this several times, but Jesus just stayed true to the mission and he did not apologize for the call that was upon his life. And so even if you're trained in the many ways of God, just like John, you're still likely to have an opportunity to be be offended. If you truly love and believe in him and then you're gonna to have to fight to stay free from offense, realizing that, that our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. And that's a lot easier to quote than it is to live. I mean, those words can just flow right out, just fall right off our lips and, and we can follow that all up with a glory hallelujah. But when you live through his ways being higher, and our thoughts, not our thoughts, it is hard to figure it all out. But if we're going to obey the Spirit of God, let me tell you something. People will be offended by you. Listen to what John 3 and 8 says. And I don't have this on the scripture, but I just on the screen, but I just want to read this. John says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell, canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So my whole point in bringing that scripture to light today is this, that, that, that there are times that the Spirit of God blows where it will. 
where it will, not where we want it to. And some don't understand if you move with the Spirit. But we have to follow the Spirit. Israel was delivered because they followed the Spirit. It was a cloud in the daytime and it was fire at night, but they followed the Spirit. And when the Spirit moved, and the Spirit did not take the path of least resistance, we know that from just reading Scripture. And, and if, you've ever, if you've ever looked at the journey of the children of Israel, you know that the Spirit does not always take the path of least resistance. And so there are times when the Spirit moves and we have to follow the leading of the Lord. And that's why as a pastor and shepherd of this church that I have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. I, I will be very, very upfront with you today and tell you that I'm not just concerned about what's going to happen in our upcoming service on Wednesday. I don't live from Sunday to Wednesday and Wednesday to Sunday. My prayer time with God looks a lot further down the road and I want to be sensitive to where you would have us be and what you would have us do. And so I've got enough sense to know that decisions have been made through the years that didn't make sense to everybody. We had to follow the spirit and the leading of the Lord. And hopefully, prayerfully, we stepped into and walked into the ultimate purpose of God. But when the spirit doesn't move or when people don't appreciate the Spirit of God moving in your life. You can't allow an unpleasant response to detour what you know is right in your heart. I'm not airing laundry. I'm just using me because that's a much safer thing than to use you as an illustration. But when my wife and I first got in the ministry, some of our closest friends and family that we thought was going to support us. Say, you're never going to make it. Have you lost your mind? When we launched into full-time ministry with the approval of our pastor, I'm not wanting to think you to think that we were just out here on our own. Some of our friends set us down with some of these get-rich-quick schemes and said, you need to get involved in this because you're going to need something to feed your family. I'm not even kidding. Let me tell you something. If you think I'm quitting my job and she's quitting her job and we're putting our, 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 our earthly goods up for sale and I'm going in the vitamin business, you're nuts. We're going in the soul business. We're going in the soul business. And if he's got not God enough to take care of me, then there won't be enough vitamins on this planet to feed my family. He's going to take care of me. And so when those that you think ought to support oppose, don't, don't, don't get offended. <laughs> Amen. 
we got to walk after the will of God. And I want to say this, and I, I must close. But if you walk after the will of God, and I, I'm not saying this to, to cause alarm, but I wouldn't be a true shepherd if I didn't tell you this. That if you walk after the will of God, you will at some point suffer in your flesh. You will. You, re you really will. If Jesus offended religious people as the Spirit led him 2,000 years ago, you can rest assured not everybody's going to get what you're involved in. You know, not everybody gets children ministry. They really don't. Oh, it's humbug, humbug. Not everybody really gets Sunday school, and I, I don't say this in a derogatory fashion because I only know what we do. But some people don't get Sunday school the way we do Sunday school. Because we don't approach Sunday school as a glorified daycare. We approach this as an opportunity to plant the truth of God in the hearts of children. And so when some people don't take it serious, they're probably going to criticize those that do. Some people don't understand various forms of outreach, and they criticize that. But you know what? Whether they criticize it or not, we've got to stay focused on the mission. The mission. So I say, if you follow the will of God, you will suffer in your flesh. You will be misunderstood. You'll probably be talked about. Amen. But here is the bottom line. I have got to do what God has placed in my heart. And if anybody challenges the truth of the gospel, then I have to be, a, I have to be offensive without apology to say I can't apologize for what's in this book. Amen. If you don't believe in, in, in repentance, then I, I don't know. I can't apologize about that. If you don't believe in baptism in Jesus' name, I can't apologize about that. If you don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking with other tongues, I can't apologize about that. Why? Because it is a mandate that is placed upon our heart. And we must move with everything that we have. Let's stand together. Amen. I'm going to ask us just to gather around the front today. Amen. Everybody that will respond, respond. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.